Um, he's been dedicated and committed. He's worked his butt off. Uh, you know, he turned his nose up at, or turned down tons of money to play pro baseball. You know, so it just feels right. I mean, uh, and, and he's a sensational player. So I, I love it. I'm really happy for him. I was able to uh, speak to him the day after he was on his way to Arizona, and I happened to be in Arizona at the same time, but I wasn't, of course, able to connect with him. But it was good to catch up to him and his parents and just uh, just really happy and excited for him. And he'll, he'll do great. He's just getting started. Carter just loves to play. I know it. You know, you talk to the guy, you talk. I'll visit with him here or there. He came to a couple of our reneg- our, my, our Dallas, our old XFL. He came to a few games and talking to him. When he's out of season, he didn't know what to do with himself. It drives him crazy. You know, instead, a lot of guys enjoy the time off. He hates it when it's off. He loves the season. He loves to play, go to practice, you know, all those things. So, um, I'm sure the money, the money though, doesn't hurt. <laughs> but bottom line, he loves to play. I know that. Woo, big money, $46 million a year, as long as he gets those four hours of film study in a week. <laughs> during uh, No video games in the background. During game week. How are they going to monitor that? That is going to be odd how you log just four hours a day. Like, uh, is it like in 15 minute increments or I don't know. It's four hours a week. Yeah. Four hours a week. Yeah. It's just an odd deal. Yeah. He'll probably knock it all out on, uh, just leave his screen running or whatever. Uh, one afternoon, one evening, get it all done on the first day. If they even have a way to monitor it, which I don't know if they do. I mean, I know they can see on your iPad, like when you're watching film and stuff, but I don't know how they know that he's not playing video games at the same time, but who knows? He'll be fine. Um, what record are you trending towards right now for the uh, 2022 OU football season? And don't one. say, well, if they stay healthy. I mean, uh, injuries are always a question mark. 11-1. 11-1. Yep. All right. That's where I'm at as well. Who do they lose to? Well, to find that answer, we have to do first an experiment. Who are the three toughest teams on the schedule, the three toughest games? Baylor. Baylor. Texas. Texas. Um, mm, is it Kansas State? Okay, Kansas State, fine. So it's not going to be to either of those three teams. Who are the worst three teams on the schedule? UTEP, Kent State, and Kansas. All right? Right. So there's ha- – they're not going to lose to the three toughest teams. They're not going to lose to the three worst teams. So there's six other teams in the in-between that you got to pick from. Um, so maybe like an at Iowa State? Yeah. At Iowa State is – that's a game that I I told you yesterday, starting to get my, uh, my Iowa State scaries coming up before the season. It's a tradition unlike any other. Yeah. Uh, I'm still going to have to see it to believe it, but they're still going to be tough. Like they still got the the same coaching staff. They're going to develop those guys. They're going to have good, tough football players there. If you go screw around in that game, you could easily lose it. Right? Um, would I pick them to lose it? No, I can't pick them to lose it. But like that's that's the one. Um, 
I mean, it, it's hard to sit here and just point at one. I, I, I know. 11 and 1, that's our opinion. But with that 11 and 1, it's hard to point to just one single loss. I do feel like, though, like most years, it'll probably come at a spot that we're not expecting. At TCU? No. I'm, I am. Uh, what do you mean, no? I'm with you on TCU. I think TCU might be in for a, a rough year. And I'm kind of skeptical of the hire that they made. Not that it was just going all that well with Gary Patterson in the end, but I just. Eh. I'm I'm skeptical it's not gonna crash and burn here well, at TCU. They're gonna they're gonna throw the football a ton and you know, if you're not locked in, focused, you're you're having some bust on the back end, you know, they can score on, on some quick strikes, some big plays really quickly, and if your offense gets bogged down a little bit, find yourself in a tough game. I mean it's hard. I mean, it's the only road game that I feel like they have a chance to maybe have their guard down. Uh, you know, you're sandwiched between Kansas State and Texas. I don't know. Maybe it's the Texas game. I really don't think it's going to be the Texas game this year. I think Texas is going to be um, – no one brings up defensively, and it annoys me so much that no one wants to talk about the defensive side of the ball when they talk about Texas. It's all, well, look at what they got it. Quarterback, wide receiver, and running back. I, um, I, I'm not very optimistic that Texas has turned the corner defensively. I think they're going to give up a ton of points to you in that game, like they have recently. Right. Well – Time will tell, uh, I guess, is what they say. And I do think they'll give up a ton of points, but I, they were 5-7 and seven last year and had us totally dead to rights. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of where I fall on that thing. Is, I, I don't think their defense is going to be any good next year either. I'm not totally convinced that their offense is going to be good. Yeah, like, hey, I'm with like, you on I'm that. I'm not convinced that they're going to be better at quarterback than they were a year ago with the Thompson kid. But that really doesn't mean anything in that game now, does it? Didn't the tech coach already call it? That's on the text line. Yep, Joey McGuire said, oh, hell, we're going to beat OU and we're going to knock down that end zone. Last game of the season in Lubbock, Texas. For, Crazy things happen which, in Lubbock at night. By the way, uh, Brent Venables, for his per- for as perfect as he's been up to this point, he did make a mistake yesterday when referencing the schedule. Uh-oh. You know, he was talking about, you know, we want to be great all the way from game one, UTEP, to the last game of the year, Oklahoma State. And it was, well, <laughs> it's the last home game of the year. You, you're right. going to have to play Texas Tech Thanksgiving weekend, mm. Brent. So I don't know if anyone's told him about that game in Lubbock or not, but he uh, he missed that one. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Texas defense last year, scoring defense in the Big 12, they were eighth. Only teams that were worse, TCU and Kansas. Uh, Total defense, they were eighth. Same teams, TCU and Kansas. They gave up 425 yards a game and 31 points a game. Bad. Yeah, is bad. Uh, so I let's see text line. So I guess that Vegas is off by two games on OU win total. Hmm, risky prediction by you and Teddy. Actually, the risky prediction is by Vegas because there's going to be a ton of money on the line and people betting it. It's not risky by me at all. 
it doesn't matter if they go winless this coming season. There's no risk for me. What's the risk? I'm being I'm wrong. I'm wrong somewhere between seven great point. and eight hundred times a day. Yeah, great point. No risk. Are you more wrong here on this show or are you more wrong at home after after the show's over? My wife will tell you I'm more wrong at home. And I might tell you that you're more wrong here. <laughs> right. Which I think maybe you're both right. Uh, shoot, we're going to win them all. Uh, text line, this, this one says 9-3. and three. TBOW isn't the coach anymore. You don't need to worry about Iowa State. Undefeated, Big 12 champs, and college football playoff berth. Right. There you go. And I'm, I'm down with that. I think they go 11-1, and win the Big 12, and uh, college football playoff berth as well. Just might want to go ahead and avoid Bama in the semifinal matchup. Why? Because uh, Bama is going to be the best team in the country. They're going to be real good. I don't care. Give me Bama in the semifinal. Let's go. Okay. Uh, you said that to me one time, and they were down 28 nothing at the snap of a finger in the first quarter. Well, that's just because – they started to get um, pretty passive. They could have been up 35-0, okay? <laughs> yeah, they, they slowed so, it down a little bit. Yeah, It is amazing how that uh, ended up turning out to be somewhat of a game late. It's pretty funny. Um, I, I was adamant that uh, – well, I, I told <laughs> – this guy asked me about the game, the guy, a guy I work with, and – He's like, now I'm putting money on it. What side should I go with? And I said, Oklahoma. And he's like, all right. Well, after the game, he's like, you cost me money. I said, they covered. What do you mean I cost you money? How can, uh, that, was, that was a backdoor cover of backdoor covers, buddy. Really that was, was awesome. Really was. I guess he took him to win the football game oh, or something. Yeah, yeah money so. line? Mm. There you go. Uh, not everyone is crazy about the prediction of OU going 11-1. and This is uh, Josh Pate, 24-7 Sports. Look, that's fine. If you want to sit here today and say, eh, I'm not ready to think that OU's ready to beat Bama or Ohio State, all right, I think that's fair. Um, and maybe it's even fair to speculate if the offense is going to be good enough. I just don't think the offense is going to be – if this team has any issues or whether – I just don't think that the that, that that's where uh, – the offense isn't going to be the issue of this team. At least I don't feel like it. Well, what is going to be the issue – well, if I think they're going 11-1 and one and going to the playoff, I obviously don't think that there is going to be very many issues. Holder? Holder could be, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll get that question answered at the, uh, the first press conference of the season, who the holder is going to be. Um, I think 11-1 and one is doable. And if I had to pick it right now, I would say uh, the odds of winning a – a semifinal, or low. Nothing wrong with that. No. Nothing wrong with that. But that's today, man. Um, things dramatically change over the course of a college football season. And I think that OU is one of the teams. I don't know. It, it feels like there's some teams, man, where they come into the year 
and maybe it's because they're more experienced than some teams, but I don't think every team has the same ceiling going into a season, right? I feel like OU's ceiling this year, if it develops the right way, can end up being pretty high by the time a December-January big-time bowl game rolls around. Is that accurate, or do you think that that's fair, that not every team's ceiling is, is the same? Some teams have younger players, maybe more inexperienced players, but more talented players on their roster than others. I, not everyone's starting from the same starting point, but I don't think everyone's ceiling is the same either in terms of what they can truly accomplish. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's fair. Let me ask you this. What's the likelihood that Oklahoma has a superstar quarterback? I mean, in the conversation with Stroud, Bryce Young, you know, knocking on the door of a, a Heisman invite. Oh, I yeah, I, I I think that that's there's a good possibility of that. I don't know if you want that on the ten scale or what you want, but it's yeah, that's a good possibility. It's, it's you possible. can easily foresee that being the case. What are the chances that we have a superstar? Uh, skill position guy, either wide receiver or running back, that is talked about as an award winner, talked about as uh, the best in the conference? Uh, I think just as likely, like pretty close just to that. Just as likely? Yeah. yeah. That's, see, that, that's one that worries me right there. Um, what are the chances that OU has a first-round offensive lineman on the roster? Uh, probably pretty low. They don't have to be picked in the first yeah, round yeah, this low. year, but okay. What are the chances that we have a superstar defensive player? Um, I not as likely as Dylan Gabriel, but it's you know probable could happen. Yeah. Well, in order to win a a semifinal, those things are going to have to emerge, and I think. I think there's the talent on the roster is there for some of those things to happen to emerge. Quarterback, I agree. Skill position is the interesting one for me. Because right now, I hate to say it, but I we haven't been it's been a while since we've had the best running back or sure. and and wide receiver, I love Mims, but if if you really want to compare it Apples to apples, a long way to go for like to be a superstar wide receiver. He hasn't had a season that's anywhere close to that. No, yet. Um, I, for what it's worth, Brent Venables yesterday was you know basically gave off the impression like yeah I think we're going to be good at that skill position. Like it was almost like he brushed skill position aside. Like yeah we're going to be just just fine there. Don't don't worry about right. that spot because like. All I'm saying is, if you want to go in and win a semifinal, you better have some guys that are that are no true difference makers for on, sure on that that stage with some because you're going to be playing against those. Because Will of Anderson all will be coming field. off the edge, man. Uh, CJ right. Stroud's going to be in the pockets. Um, you know, Georgia's going to have some dudes uh, across the field on both sides as well. So no, I I hear you. Yeah, you're going to have to develop top end superstar talent. Absolutely right. So, and whenever you have a good, consistent, 
uh, detail-oriented football team where everyone is bought in across the board, it doesn't take a whole lot for those things to start to happen. Right? For uh, a superstar defensive player to emerge, whenever you've got the, you know, if you've got the number one defense in the conference, guess what? People start to notice, and they start to talk about your defense. And when they start to talk about your defense, you start to get some national accolades. Right? That's how those things happen. Uh, the the talent difference a lot of times between some of these these top guys, it, it's not a whole heck of a lot of difference. It's that they're surrounded by a bunch of other players that are locked in, always doing their job, no mental mistakes, and everyone can play within the framework and those those special players can stand out a little bit. So, I mean, that stuff's going to have to happen, and I think it can. Yeah, it can. It can. All right, quick timeout. More from The Rush coming up. Final hour rolls on next. Riverwind Casino and Hotel bringing the final hour of The Rush. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman, live on the ref for the Homo Sooner fans. It's nice to, you know, really not even do anything today and still get bumped up a spot in the 24-7 sports recruiting rankings for 2023. OU what? ended the day as the number eight overall class in the 2023 class, but then they factored in ESPN's latest rankings because they're just newest rankings come out, whatever. OU's now up to the number seven overall class in the 2023 rankings. Wait, what? Yep. Like it, love it, hate it. Uh, I guess I love it. I don't understand how that happens, but I love it. Because they take all of the services rankings of particular kids, you know? Composite. Composite, yeah, see? Aggregate. Yeah, you know. yeah, there you go, yeah. You you know more than you lead on. Okay, huh. Number seven overall class, jump Tennessee today. Well, I think that's good news. Um, we got, what was the corner's name? That, um, Josiah. Wagner, yeah. Four-star corner. Good player. Huh. Well, there you go. Number seven is uh, what was the quote from, was it Orange Bloods or? Longhorns Wire. It says, uh, OU football recruiting is in a world of hurt. And then it referenced how A&M is owning Houston. Texas is owning DFW and OU can't even recruit its own state. I th- By the way, A&M's ranked like 60th in recruiting That's right what I was now. about to say. I thought they were way back. That's, they're yeah. not going to end there. Um, they're going to buy their way up. is where A&M is at right now. They'll buy their way up quite a bit, but um, I hey, I like it. Now, are they going to be able to hold that spot? Will they finish – uh, the over-under for recruiting class is seven. Where are they going to finish? Dead on balls accurate. I really? Think right there. Yeah. I Tell me where DJ Hicks, five-star defensive lineman, is going to land. Oklahoma. I know he's going to land at OU. Oh, then they'll finish higher than seven. Oh. Hmm. Okay. He'll be the highest-rated player in their class, and they'll get the number one defensive lineman, one of the best players in the country. Now, that would they'll help be, They'll be, might be like number five at that point. <laughs> okay. Well, let's hope they get him. Let's hope the Hicks kid uh, signs with Oklahoma. My hope in um, getting DJ Hicks to sign here, like this goes along with it, this would have to happen. But how glorious would it be if, you know, Lincoln makes the comment that, you know, 
I had at best the third best roster rolling into the college football playoff. And most times I had the fourth best roster in the college football playoff, basically blaming OU for its inability to be able to pull off top recruiting classes. After spewing that crap, and then everyone thinking that, oh, God, look at Texas with Arch and all the players that have followed. This might be the best recruiting class in 2023. Watch out, Texas. Here they come with all these players. How awesome would it be if OU finishes with a higher class than USC, which is going to happen, by the way, and if they somehow make up enough ground to finish with a higher class than Texas? This staff, who some people thought nationally that this staff wasn't going to be able to recruit, we're going to be able to bring in a top five class here. How awesome would that be? Uh, I won't shut up this offseason about it if that happens. It would be huge. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I, well, I'll tell you what happened. They're finishing with a higher-ranked recruiting class in USC. That's going to happen. Do you still think uh, what's the kid may decommit? That'll hurt them big time because they're not – they don't have a whole bunch so of – Zachariah Branch, five-star wide receiver. Yeah. Yeah, that'll hurt them significantly. Yeah. So – and I still believe uh, if everything stays the same, I, I'm, I'm, I feel pretty strongly that uh, Adabare, is that right? PJ Adabare, yes, yeah. that's it. I think he's going to end up a five star. Really? Why do you think that? Just he's already really close, and. He's just now coming on the radar for a lot of people, and I, I don't know. I feel like he's—he's he's, he's close to being a five-star. Yeah, a, a monster season at North Kansas City High, or he's from North Kansas City. Yeah, we'll, we'll right. probably get him there. Yeah, so I think there's a chance of that, and I still think that other guys are going to be improved. I, I mean, Pachati's not a three-star. I just tell you right now, he'll be a four-star by the time it's all said and done. You feel pretty good about that. Even if even if he doesn't ever get that four star, uh, you know, designation or or whatever, I he that's a four star talent, without a doubt, without a doubt, that's a four star talent. So, well, he's putting himself in the best situation possible to get a four star. He's going to play at IMG this year in the state of Florida. Yeah, well, that usually like don't they just start handing out? That's four why and five I'm saying stars? I feel very strongly that he's going to get that fourth star. Uh, let's get to some text here. We got a time. Keep them coming, by the way. Four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine. I just want to chime in about Western Arkansas fans. I grew up in Eastern Oklahoma, and both fan bases are toxic to each other. You wouldn't believe the hate thrown at us when we beat them in '77, when Roland Sales ran wild, and I think Dan Hampton played there. Love your show. Yeah. So I imagine, um, yeah, I, I can imagine whenever that happened, there was uh, some bad blood there. But my goodness, that was 45 years ago. And I know uh, that those things die hard, but they won the game. What do they have to be mad at? You know? <laughs> I, I, I'm guessing that, the Probably Arkansas no fan base. I, I do think that there's definitely some jealousy there. I, I think that that's the easy thing to point to. But it was probably very hard for Arkansas to see a guy like Barry Switzer just tear up the college football world at a bordering state when he was one of their guys. Yeah, that that probably 
and it's not it's not just that you're watching um one of your guys have success because usually you'd be happy about that but i can imagine and i don't i don't know but i can imagine that most everyone outside of Oklahoma Sooner fans hated Barry Switzer. Oh yeah, totally. What what what, what was it, Joe? Joe Paterno, Paterno which it's odd. Um, God, what was the exact quote that he had? This game needs less Barry Switzer. Something something yeah. to that to that effect. Right. Yeah, I can imagine because whenever you have a lot of success and you're flamboyant and you're letting everyone know about it, yeah, they're. Dude, you're gonna find some haters out there. So I'm. I think you're probably right. That's probably where the genesis of it is. Is uh, Coach Switzer? Nine one eight. Will at Nebraska be a trap game? I don't think the Nebraska game is a definition of a trap game. Right. Um. It'll be a close game, but a trap game to me is a game that you totally overlook. Yeah. I don't think this team is going to be overlooking the Nebraska game. No, I don't either. It's going to be their their first road game. Under this uh, regime, it'll be – man, it has to be the biggest road environment that Dylan Gabriel's ever played in. Sure. Yeah, no, it, I mean, so in I'm terms try- of crowd size and of, everything, yeah, it's going to be. Now, they played in – did he play in a big bowl game his freshman year? Well, um, was, was his freshman year 2017? Because that's the year they beat Auburn in the Peach Bowl. No, it was 19. 19 was his freshman year? Yeah. I can't count. Uh, no, they played Marshall. Biggest road game they had that year was at Cincinnati. Lost 27-24. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be the biggest atmosphere he's ever been in. Biggest atmosphere, you know, a lot of the young guys, transfers, it'll be uh, head coach Brent Venable's first road trip as a head coach. Coach Venables, what is it like to play your first road game as a head coach? Hmm. That question will be at. I'm surprised <laughs> it hasn't already been asked. I mean, we've already asked him nine, ten different times why he ended up picking OU, and we wasted one of the four questions we got to ask at Big 12 Media Day on that one. Not still bitter about that one. No big deal at all. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure that'll be asked. I'm trying to think of recent OU head coaches in their first true road game. Lincoln won his at Ohio State. Bob mm. won his at Louisville, which is a mouthful to say, and it seems like that that's how is they that say right? it. Is that right? Louisville, yeah. Huh. On the road against Louisville in 99? Going to guess John Blake probably lost his thing as they started off like 0-4 before they won a game. Mm, that's a smart bet. That's a safe bet. Yeah. Uh, Unless John Blake's first true road game was somehow at Baylor after the Texas game, then he would have won his as well. Right. Well, I, I think they'll be prepared. I think Nebraska is going to have a good football team there ready. I think the environment's going to be a good one. It actually works in our favor as an 11 a.m. kick. Um, right, that one's been set already, hasn't it? Yeah, 11 a.m. Yeah, 11 a.m. Yeah, first three kick. games are set. 2.30 UTEP, six, is it 6, 6.30 against Kent State? Yeah. Whatever it is. And then uh, 11 a.m. against Nebraska. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, 
it's a it's a dangerous game, but we should win it. I think a lot of things are going to have to go wrong for this team not to win that game. They they should win that game, and I, I it's you the, have a couple of turnovers, some untimely penalties, and give up a special teams, uh, explosive play. It, it really doesn't matter who you're playing; you could find yourself well, in. Thank you for mentioning special teams because as average as OU has been in special teams recently, um, Nebraska literally was the worst special teams unit I maybe have ever seen last year. Really. Uh, yeah, they were bad. Remember against OU, they got an extra point blocked, and OU took it back 100 yards for two points, and that was like a massive momentum shifter in the game. Nebraska was in the game, and then they got that PAT blocked, and yeah, OU ran it back 100 yards. I think that was Pat Fields that took it back. You don't recall that play? I think so. I don't think you do. Well, I'm looking at something else. I was uh, mesmerized by this box score that Dylan Gabriel was through for 600 yards in five touchdowns against Memphis and lost the game. <laughs> <laughs> nice. 49 to 50. Jeez. <laughs> Let's not have any of those this year. There's a lot of OU quarterbacks, though, recently that have had that sort of stat line and oh. flirted with losing the game, Baker Mayfield being one of them. He also uh, ran for a touchdown, too. By the way, the quote was, I'm not going to give up college football to the Jackie Sherrills and Barry Switzers of the world. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, well, we all know how that ended up now, yeah. don't we? Um, a useless bit of information that you don't Ooh, care about. I, no, no, I love useless info. Oh, you plays Kent State week two. Uh huh. Kent State's non-conference schedule at Washington, at Woo. OU, at Georgia. <laughs> good luck, guys. <laughs> good luck. Uh, they're getting paid this off season from uh, for some of these trips. Wow. <laughs> Dang, they must have a. Uh, their coach must be up for an extension after next season or something. They're trying to stockpile some cash. At Washington, at OU, at Georgia. Wow. Hey, mm. you know what's cool, though? If you're uh, a Kent State football player, let's go see. Some- Washington's supposed to have an awesome stadium, right? In, right yep. on the lake yep. and supposed yep. to be yep. really yep. cool. Yep. Yep. Go see OU. Go see Georgia. Why not? Let's go. And then you go, like, at Washington, one of the most scenic views in the country. At OU, one of the most historic views. At Georgia, just won a title between the hedges. And then at Toledo, at yeah. Miami of Ohio, at Bowling Green, God, you're, at Buffalo. Yeah, you're, all your games are in Ohio and then Buffalo. Woo! You think uh, Kent State Sports Radio – their off-season topic is, well, I like our chances at Miami, Ohio. Our boys will be ready after those tough road environments start the year. <laughs> yeah, it's like after you after you play at Georgia, at Oklahoma, and start the season off at Washington, it's going to be easy. It's like <laughs> knocking in a six-inch putt. Yeah, probably not. Prayers for Either Kent that State this year. Or your roster is going to be totally depleted and eliminated. I think Kent State might be faking COVID by the time the Georgia game rolls around in week four. Mm, you may be onto something there. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. A couple of segments left. Stay tuned. I think I have just found the uh, tastiest wager of the offseason for really? college Yeah. Well, to be fair, I didn't find it. Blaine okay. sent it to me. Uh, I guess on DraftKings, and I'm looking at it right now, you can bet 
who has more regular season wins in 2022? OU or USC? Both at minus 110. I see it right here in front of me. You can bet on DraftKings who has more regular season wins between OU and USC. If there's a tastier off-season bet, I would love to see it. But this one is um, it's quite appetizing. Wow. A team that was 4-8 and eight last year versus a team that won 11 games last year. That's, I In minus 110, that's pretty good odds, man. It's, it's good odds. It's really smart by DraftKings because – there's a lot of well, didn't Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams go to USC? Gosh, they're they're going to win more. Well, they're than the most bet team in Vegas right now to win the national championship. So of course it's a great bet by DraftKings. Yeah, they're going to put up every USC, I, uh, sucker bet that you. That As you, can. you always like to say, he kitty kitty oh kitty, kitty 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 kitty. Ugh. That's insane. Which you know, hey. Vegas is going to do whatever they can to try and make some easy cash, and that's one way to do it right there. Well, it is easy cash, just not the way that everyone else thinks it's going to be. I mean, come on. I, I, like, my only, it's not really hesitation, but, and I know I have to, I have to keep everything in perspective, but they have to have the they have to have the easiest schedule in all of Power 5 football. USC? Yeah. I mean, they got to play Notre Dame, who could be a playoff. They, they got to play two teams who could legitimately be playoff teams, Utah and Notre Dame. Now, the rest of the schedule, the other 10 games, I'll hear that. Um, yeah, they could lose those two games and lose them by 50 points each still game. Still be a 10-2 team. Yeah, sure. I, I mean, I, I don't think that's going to happen. You probably don't either. No. But, yeah, the outside of those two games for sure, but those will be two really tough games for them, and, and that's why you know I don't think OU will be a dog in any game this year. USC will at least be a dog at Utah and Notre Dame at home. Yeah. Well, I. Well, I yeah. So the way Vegas operates, USC might be a seventeen point favorite against Notre Dame at home. I'm trying to see like where their where USC's first loss may come. They have to go to Stanford and Stanford that beat progr- them last year. That program's fallen off pretty significantly. But they lost their last seven games in a row last season. Stanford did. That's pretty bad. They got beat pretty soundly by Kansas State in the opener last year, right? Twenty four seven. Which yeah. For Kansas State to beat someone twenty four seven, that's like anyone else beating someone fifty six to three. They they got beat by Kansas State in the opener twenty four seven and bounced back next week and beat USC forty two twenty eight. It's great. I just can't wait, man. But, this but like, be a fun season. but here's the thing: they hosted for their what was that? This this is their fifth game of the season. They hosted then number three Oregon, and that game went to overtime. So that's kind of like, that's kind of what I'm thinking is like, there's got to be, because like, they're not prepared for it, but this offseason, 
has put a big target on USC's chest. And that's I was telling Steely that earlier before his show today. I said, man, USC always has a big target on their on their back, but not like this year, man. With all the offseason hype and the move to the Big Ten, I, it's been a while since they've, you know. Yeah. Yep. Um, was Fresno good last year? Fresno has been good for about the past three or four years. They've yeah. been a solid little program. That's their third game. Um, they open with Rice at Stanford and then Fresno before going on the road to Oregon State, who it's hard to it's hard to really gauge it because the Pac twelve has just across the board been so weak, but you know, that they had a they had a bounce back. They were seven and six last year. I'll tell you another opinion that I heard today that made me go, Woo! Wow. Um Barrett Salee, who covers the SEC, he was uh, – someone asked him who the third best team in the SEC is going to be, which I don't think that there's a clear-cut answer to that. It's Bama, Georgia, and then you could throw a lot of teams. He said Ole Miss, though, as the third best team in the SEC. And then he said, well, I just trust in Lane. You know, Lane's offense, Lane is always a run-first guy, and he's going to be able to get this offense right. And it was, he wasn't the one calling plays last year. Jeff Levy was. They lost their quarterback, but okay. I, I, I think Lane Kiffin is a smart offensive coach. I do. He's been around the game forever. He he knows what he's doing on the offensive side. But he has to be in the top five least trustworthy coaches in all of college football. Like To say that you trust in Lane Kiffin is uh, – that's a crazy statement to me. Yeah. Like he may leave after the third game of the season, and you know, I to say Ole Miss gonna be the third best team in the SEC was wow. Okay, look, well, who I'll, is the third best team then? Um, I think that I think Tennessee could be the third best team. Uh, I think Texas A and M could be the third best team. I think Arkansas Arkansas's schedule's too tough for me to think they're the third best team in the SEC. I think LSU could be the third best team in the SEC. I think Florida could be the third best team in the SEC. Tennessee? All those teams, I said Tennessee first. Oh. All those teams I think are more likely to be the third best team in the league over Ole Miss. And you know what? Perhaps even Mississippi State with the returner at quarterback. I'm not even I'm not totally sure that Ole Miss was the third best team in the SEC last year. Uh, they were ten and three. Um, I mean, maybe you could say they were, but there's an argument that maybe it was, maybe it was Kentucky. They didn't play each other, did they? No, I don't think so. Uh, it, what my Kentucky's po- another one that I would throw. Up my there. point is, it wasn't settled last year, and it was the best season they've maybe had in I don't know how long. So that's a bold statement. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap things up next. Stay tuned.